Hello, friends. Dan Saunders here, welcoming you back to the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast feed and our latest DNP Quick Take, where I give you a hot take on some of the most pressing issues facing the nonprofit sector. Uh, today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to look back at last week's multi-channel minicon, um, which I uh, co-chaired and uh, co-created uh, for the Direct Marketing Association of Washington. And um, if you were there, thank you so much for supporting the show, for taking a chance on a brand new concept. And if you weren't there, I'm going to give you a little bit of background so you can understand what the show is about, um, but also more broadly talk about kind of its place in the industry, why it's so vital, as well as uh, really a renaissance in nonprofit fundraising educational programming that we're experiencing as an industry right now. Um, but the Minicon was October 18th, 19th at the National Housing Center in Washington, D.C. We had, over the course of those two days, we had uh, over 30 speakers, 20 sessions, five keynotes, and the content covered everything from direct mail, digital, lots of omni-channel, multi-channel discussion. We had a session on influencer marketing. We had a session on peer-to-peer -peer texting, and that's really just the tip of the iceberg. If you Google uh, the multi-channel minicon, or actually I'll drop the program into the show notes if you want to take a look at the full slate. Um, you could see we really tried to cover as many different channels as possible, but we didn't just focus on channels per se. We also talked about integrating different concepts um, from the nonprofit world, from fundraising, that um, fundraisers really need to understand. Um, friend of the show, Taylor Shanklin, was there, had a great keynote session on um, the importance of branding and why your brand as a nonprofit is part of your fundraising apparatus. It can positively or negatively impact fundraising and direct response fundraisers have a vested interest in the, um, in the branding operation of their organizations, both who people who work at the nonprofit, as well as the vendors who support them, and making the broader case for why these worlds um, need to be brought together. We talk about it as unsiloed fundraising on the podcast here, but whatever you call it, um, there clearly is a need for not just different channels within development, but also different areas of nonprofits, whether you're talking about marketing, donor communications, development, programming, um, leadership, these things all need to operate to some degree under one umbrella. And the right hand needs to know what the left hand is doing. And everyone kind of needs to talk about how can we support each other to meet our shared goals or work more efficiently together. And uh, the discussion about branding, it was a, a healthy one in that sense, because hopefully it got a lot of um, people who may work with direct response fundraising, thinking about things that they may perceive to be outside of their control. Um, how can I involve myself in these discussions and talk about how what you're doing supports what I'm doing and how can we work better together? So that's a lot of what we were trying to accomplish with the Minicon is, of course, the direct education. We hope that um, everyone who attended came back with uh, some actionable ideas. I know I have pages of them. Um, that they can A-B test and put to work right away, but also to start to think about the fundraising model as a whole and how the industry is evolving and how can we evolve with it. Um, one of the things that we had talked about leading up to the Minicon was that fundraisers or donors, I should say, 
um, broke out of their silos a long time ago. We talk about this as if this was something that really happened during the pandemic where people who were senior citizens, maybe more direct mail oriented, started to get comfortable with um, with digital technology and, and, and being on their smartphones. Um, it really started before then. The pandemic probably expedited a lot of this, but these trends are not going back. Does not matter who your donors are, how old they are, how affluent or non-affluent they are, they're all over the place. And all you have to do is look at your own life and how you support uh, brands that that you patronize. You know, sometimes it may be walking into a physical store. Other times you're seeing an ad on your phone or on TV. Maybe you're getting a mail piece. Um, it's all part of these global interactions based on multiple touch points and um, connecting with the donor where they are and increasing the possibility of them making an end conversion. Um, and in most cases, the more touch points you add, the more likely a donor is to make that conversion and the more conversions you'll end up getting if you have uh, not just a multi-channel program, but a truly integrated omni-channel program where donors are getting consistent messaging across multiple channels. We're kind of to the point where um, it's not theoretical. Um, and of course, there's going to be tests that don't work. And that's why this all needs to be A-B tests. But you can pretty much take it to the bank that multiple touch points do help boost uh, conversions. Uh, this is especially true for direct mail. Now, sometimes you have to tinker with the messaging, um, how often you're, you're uh, connecting with donors, what you're sending to them, how consistent it is with the mail piece. Um, but if it doesn't work, I think we should be fairly comfortable at this point saying that it's not the medium that needs tinkering, it's the message. So we should be encouraging nonprofits of all types to be experimenting in as many channels as possible in a cohesive manner. So hopefully uh, we were able to kickstart a lot of those discussions at the Minicon. What really surprised me um, is that a lot of the feedback I've heard so far is how excited people were to learn about these different channels. Um, this is a discussion that I've been involved in for quite some time. Now, um, my background and most of what I still do day to day is on the direct mail side. So a lot of my initial experience was trying to, in some cases, force feed direct mail fundraisers, digital education, understanding that this is something that's not just unrelated to what they do, but it can actually enhance and make what they do um, better. It's not a competitor. It's something that can actually complement direct mail. Um, and and direct mail fundraising and direct mail fundraisers have come a very long way. Um, it's very easy to create this uh, stereotype of right, a stodgy direct mail fundraiser. It's not really the case anymore. There was resistance over the years. I'm not going to lie about that. It was not always the most easy discussion. Um, and maybe I was a little bit I don't want to say jaded, but that's just the word that comes to mind about the idea of uh, trying to force feed multi-channel education and getting people to understand that whether or not you think you need this, it's something that you can benefit from. And um, we're trying to help you get ahead of the curve. I was really blown away by how many people were just sharing candidly how much they enjoyed this. Uh, so I think what that tells me is that the Minicon really is meeting fundraisers where they are, that it's not just that this is beneficial for fundraising and fundraisers, it's that 
fundraisers are enthusiastic to learn, or at least a significant subset of them are, are enthusiastic to learn about all these different areas of the industry, whether it's not they something they, they directly work with. And that's, that's just a product of working in a field that rewards um, people who have a never ending desire to learn. And there is, you know, we, we talk about this a lot with people who are podcast listeners that, um, that people tend to listen to one podcast. The next thing you know, they have 20 in their feed and there's just a certain subset of people that just enjoy learning, um, whether or not they can directly benefit from it, but they see it as part of a healthy professional and personal development. And, uh, I was kind of blown away by how enthusiastic, um, the DMA W community was in embracing this idea, um, whether or not they're going to be personally benefiting from using influencer marketing in the next five years. Um, a lot of enthusiasm for that, but there was plenty of tactical discussion as well. Again, I, I really think that, um, everyone came away with lots of tactics they could put to work right to right away. That's how we measure the benefit of these conferences is kind of the immediate ROI. And what are we taking back to the office? What can we share with our teams that can be utilized right away? But there is a long tail to this. And it was really interesting to see people so enthusiastic about just getting to know more facets of the industry. And that was really one of the selling points uh, that we try to push with the Minicon is that uh, if you're a direct mail fundraiser or even, uh, you know, a digital fundraiser, um, you may not go to a conference that has, um, that has content that has to do with influencer marketing, or you may not go to a peer to peer conference. And when you go to big shows like the bridge conference, um, that's such an investment of time and resources that people naturally want to gravitate towards their own tracks, which is totally understandable. So what we tried to do was create something that was affordable, approachable, I think um, a two day pass, depending on if you're a member or non-member or a non-member nonprofit organization was between four and $500 um, less if you're from a nonprofit organization, uh, but it was in that range, very approachable. Um, and especially for the quality of speakers and the quality of education, um, giving people a chance to be exposed to some information that they otherwise uh, might not might might not be. Um, so that was very encouraging feedback. And the feedback about the quality of education overall was um, has been very encouraging so far as well. And we worked very hard to pick a diverse lineup of speakers um, that was partially curated um, by just uh, folks that we know that do good work and are good presenters from within our networks. Um, there were a lot of friends of the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast who were there, who I've met over the years through LinkedIn and through the podcast. I mentioned Taylor, uh, Jim Langley was there talking about what he's learned from his career and about why donors give and talking to over 100,000 uh, donors. Um, is that the type of thing that you would typically see at a conference? No, but you probably learned a lot from it if you were in that session. I heard great things about Jim's session. Uh, Tim Kachuriak sat on a all-star panel, uh, founder of, uh, of of Next After. So, um, and there were others uh, that were connected through other networks as well. So we we intentionally uh, kind of went the anti-show process of curating people who we knew were good presenters that were good at presenting in a 30 minute format 
Uh, a couple of the panels were longer, um, but the the breakouts were 30 minutes, which we also had a lot of good feedback about was just how the day kind of moved and it didn't drag. And there's a lot to be said there about um, our attention spans, but also our ability to consume quality information in a short amount of time when it's compacted. And I think that's something we're definitely going to keep up with and, and definitely a trend that I borrowed from other shows that I've attended. Um, the... The, the the other other thing I, I just wanted to touch on coming to mind is um, if you either work in the event planning space with nonprofit organization, uh, nonprofit content, or you're in an organization or company that puts on an event, I don't need to tell you that there's a lot of great shows out there right now, uh, which means there's a lot of competition, right? I talk about the Bridge Conference a lot. You know, to me, that is the Super Bowl of fundraising. Um, people from every state, and in fact, uh, multiple countries, Bridges now has an international reach, uh, come Arbor every summer for three days uh, to connect with other fundraisers and learn about all types of different ways that they can enhance their fundraising effort. We had over 2,500 attendees there last year. Um, but there's plenty of room for single day or more specialized content. Um, you know, I talk about the Neo Summit a lot, um, and and that has had a lot of impact on me on how I view these shows and how they're put together, how they're presented, um, how you can incorporate sponsors in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming, that doesn't feel like a sales process, and maintain that it's an education first experience. Um, Jay Schwedelson, who um, is uh, who is uh, uh, the founder of Guru Events, among other things, had a terrific, mind-blowing session on email marketing pra uh, practices and shared some really eye-opening data you know, about why um, opt-out rates or unsubscribes are actually a good thing because it means people are reading your email. So there was a lot of real counterintuitive, neat stuff that he was sharing there. It really was just a great 30 minutes that flew by that if you work in around email fundraising or you have to, uh, if you want to try to apply some email principles to direct mail, which there always tends to be crossover there. It was just a, a great session. And I, I definitely recommend checking out his podcast as well, which I've become a fast fan of. Um, but uh, Guru Events, they uh, had, uh, I, I didn't even really know about it until a couple of weeks ago. They had a, on, a digital or virtual direct mail conference, completely free, 5,000 attendees, um, they have uh, an, an email marketing event, which is coming up in November, which I believe they have over uh, 10,000 attendees for. Uh, they don't release the sessions. You have to experience it live. And he does lots of cool things like, uh, hot, like uh, hot wing contests and, and other things to create a very uh, immersive virtual experience, which is challenging to the these days and very important. But the reason why I'm talking about that, and there's any another number of shows that I probably didn't mention uh, that are out there. Um, yes, it's a, it's a difficult time to produce a show, but there's another way of looking at this, that I think we are going through a renaissance of nonprofit education and fundraising education in general, um, because there's a lot of great shows, whether they're virtual or in person, whether they're free, whether they're put on by a company or whether they're put on by a nonprofit trade organization like the MAW, which have really honed in on this idea of an education first experience, um, which really meets consumers where they are, to be honest. Um, I think the practice of 
hard selling from the stage. Uh, people are very, very cynical about sales in general. And this is especially the case when they're going to a conference like that. Um, and, and a lot of that reputation, not just in the nonprofit space, but in general was well learned over the years. I mean, let's face it. Um, we have a lot of work as an industry to kind of undo that, but we're making amazing progress. And there's so many shows out there that sponsors are excited to be involved in because they realize that it's a quality educational experience and donor uh, attendees are having a great time and they want to be associated with it without having to make that hard sell, which is increasingly um, or increasingly ineffective these days. Um, but I think this is a good thing because it helps get fundraisers nonprofit organizations, the companies that support nonprofit organizations, consultants, agencies, things like that. Um, the more we can do to demonstrate the value of enrichment and education, and that this is something that does have an ROI if you invest in it, that creates a situation where rising tide lifts all boats. So as far as I'm concerned, as somebody who um, di directly plans multiple events and um, oversees the programming committee um, for the direct, uh, along with two other co-chairs for the Direct Marketing Association of Washington and an organization that I'll be president of next year. I think it's great that there's all these other entities out there that are putting on good shows and doing great work because the more people who buy into the idea that education is worthwhile, it's not an expense, it's something that has an ROI, it's a, it's a truly an investment in yourself, investment in your organization. Um, you know, I, in my opinion, the time when I want to try to get somebody to attend my conference is after they had an experience, a good experience at another one. So, um, if you go to the Neo summit, I think you should go to the Minicon. If you go to the Minicon, I think you should go to the Neo summit. We have to move away from this being a zero sum game when it comes to education, because the more people who kind of come into this ecosystem that realize that this is a line item that's worth investing in. It's not just an overhead expense. Uh, it's not something that should be the first thing that you cut back on uh, during lean times. Um, that's going to be good for the sector. It's going to be good for fundraisers. It's going to be good for organizations. It's ultimately going to allow them to do more work because at the end of the day, um, the cream will rise to the top. Um, or as the macho man, Randy Savage, uh, famously said, the cream of the crop rises to the top. And I won't attempt to do my macho man voice, um, but it's true. Um, the organizations, the shows that are out there providing a great experience will get people to come back. And the people who have a good experience at those shows are going to become curious. They're going to want to um, they're going to want to attend other shows. And the more that the industry can see that there's a lot of worthwhile experiences out there, where um, they can send their team and they can come back with actionable information that can make them um, better, more productive, more holistic fundraisers and improve everything down the line, the more not just nonprofit organizations, but all the companies that support them are going to want to um, invest in fundraising education. So to everyone out there who's doing good work, Kudos, keep up the great work. A rising tide will lift all boats and is going to help drive our industry into the future. But lots more information to come about the multi-channel minicon. We think we hit a home run with this concept and really delivered something that people were looking for, even if they maybe weren't fully aware of it or not 
um, not articulating it. I think we delivered on something that really meets the moment in fundraising and um, started a show that is going to be part of the industry for many years to come. So we have uh, big plans moving forward. We'll definitely be back in 2024. We're just starting to map that out, but it will be bigger. It will be better. We're going to refine some things. We're going to polish them up. Um, we're going to look at both of the successes and the shortcomings, but we're very excited to get going on 2024 and move into the future and help fundraisers become more holistic in their knowledge and be able to provide better donor experiences. But if you were at the Minicon, um, I thank you for being with us at the ground level, for now being part of the MC Squared community. And if you didn't attend, if you're just hearing about this first time, uh, stay tuned. And I hope you consider checking us out and joining us in 2024, about a year from now. But I will talk to you all real soon. Thanks, as always, for listening to Dynamic Nonprofits content and for supporting our mission to advocate for an unsiloed approach to fundraising. Have a great day.